so usually, somewhere along the road of life, we have this like aha moment, th- this realization that causes us to see the world differently, that, that something happens or, or something changes in our perspective that causes us to see the world entirely different. That you might have an aha moment where you see your job differently, an aha moment where you see uh, your family differently, where you see uh, your health or your time differently, and maybe, maybe nothing actually changes in the world. Maybe you still have the same environment, the same circumstances. You still have the same rotten kids, the same rotten job. Just kidding. Uh, they're great, I know. Uh, but, but something causes the light bulb to go off. There's a switch and a change in your perspective. And you begin to see all of that stuff differently. And you begin to see things as they really are. And not as you had presumed, or as you had been taught, or as you, or has, or as you have been conditioned to see them. And so uh, my mom used to play uh, this game with me growing up, the, the This Little Piggy game. You remember that one? And the littlest one goes, wee, 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 all the way home, right? Um, well, it, one day I, I figured it out that when the fattest one, the biggest one, the big toe, when it says, you know, this little piggy goes to the market, that it doesn't mean that this little piggy goes shopping, <laughs> Catch me, right? Like this little piggy goes to the market, didn't go to get a gallon of milk, right? But went to the butcher. Like, man, that totally changed the way I saw bacon for the rest of my life. Some of you are like today years old when you had that realization. So you're welcome, right? But it's those, it's those aha moments, right? Those realizations uh, that changes the way that we see the world. And we see the world not for what we had presumed it to be, but now for how it really, truly is. And this happens to us all the time, and I think it happens most often to us uh, when we're in relationship with someone else, a, a friendship, or uh, especially in, you know, in marriage or, or an intimate relationship, uh, where we have this, this paradigm shift. I mean, when Jenny and I got married, it didn't take us too long to realize, whoa, we are coming at life from two totally different world views. We're coming at life from two different perspectives, and so, you know, just kind of a silly example is we talk about this all the time is the way that we see birthdays. So like in my family, birthday is like, hey, you survived another year, kid. Way to go. <laughs> here's, here's a card that somebody else said some nice stuff in it, and I put my name at the bottom, essentially plagiarizing everything that they said. Ditto. Congratulations. You survived another year. But in Jenny's family, a Baldridge birthday is like winning the lottery. I mean, it's like, here's a card, here's some cake, here's some presents, here's a trophy, here's a medal, here's a pony, here's, it's going to last the whole month. Like, happy birthday! Two totally different perspectives. Hey, you survived for another year. Way to go. Or, hooray, can't, spend, can't wait to spend the next year of my life with you. Two totally different different world views. 
And so today we're kicking off uh, a new sermon series called Vivid, and it's about it's it's sort of like a follow up series uh, to Easter uh, because we believe that when Jesus rose from the grave, that 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 changed everything, and and specifically that changed uh, the way that we'll see the world, and that's what we hope to discover throughout this series is that uh, how the resurrection of Jesus changes the way that we are to see the world. Because in fact, when the disciples peered into that tomb on that first Easter morning, they couldn't believe their eyes. They couldn't believe what they saw, which was nothing. I mean, they expected to see what everyone expects to see when you peer inside of a casket, a body. But instead, they saw nothing, and that changed the way that they saw everything. Everything. And so I love this idea about how the resurrection of Jesus uh, makes us to see the world vividly. Vividly. That word vivid, it's such a, it's such a neat word. Um, the definition of it is, is this, producing powerful feelings or strong, clear images in the mind. It's like going from seeing in black and white to seeing in full color to seeing in high definition to seeing in 3D and 4K and all of that stuff. The images are still the same. The environment is still the same, but the view now, the view is just drastically, drastically different. And so when I was in uh, North Carolina. Uh, there was a, uh, a Greek Orthodox priest uh, that I came to meet. His name was Father Raman. And uh, Father Raman was this like big, burly, bearded, Harley Davidson motorcyclist riding fella. And uh, he never said a whole lot. He was always very quiet. And so he was like just a very intimidating presence. But anyways, one day we, we got to talking about um, uh, Greek Orthodox Christianity and, you know, me coming from a Protestant Methodist background, you know, what is all this about? And uh, I remember him telling me about this idea of illumination, as he called it. That as we grow in our spiritual lives and as we grow in our relationship with God, that the Holy Spirit kind of blossoms in our heart. The Holy Spirit kind of blossoms in our minds and opens up our eyes to see the world entirely differently. And so in addition to this like big, burly motorcyclist, Father Raman was also an avid bird watcher, just like this big, gentle spirit. And so he, he saw every bird that he encountered on his motorcycle rides as like this little whisper from God, this beautiful gift of God's creation that he could see the world. And it was just so sweet. It's like this 300-pound Snow White out in the world, right? Um, but uh, that's because his relationship with God, you know, it just kind of like opened up his eyes that he saw the whole world just ablaze with the love of God. And, you know, that idea, that, that's kind of a weird example, I know, but essentially the, the, the core of this idea is so essential to Christianity, That it's the idea of God's sanctifying grace. That as we grow in God's grace and become more like Jesus, well, we become more like Jesus the more that we follow Jesus. That we aren't just saved from the bad stuff in our world and the bad stuff that's in our lives, but we're saved for good stuff, 
better stuff. We're, we're saved to make the world a better place. We're saved for a better life. And we learn to see the world as God sees the world. So here's how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12 when he says this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be be conditioned by it. I know all the stuff that it has taught you, but don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing, the reshaping, the rejuvenation, the illumination of your mind, that in light of God's mercy, in light of God's love for you and for me and for the entire world, you should have your mind totally renewed, totally changed, that you now see the world. When you look at it, you see the world differently. You see it vividly, or at least that's the goal, to see the world vividly in light of God because, because, because. When we see the world in light of God, and when we see the world as God sees the world, we see the things that God would have us do in the world. And so think about, think about the way that that you teach your children when they're young and growing up, or, or maybe how, how you were taught as a child when you were growing up. That when our children are young, we instruct them by, by saying essentially one thing over and over again, do as I say. Do as I say, do as I say, do as I say. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth and go and do them. <laughs> Obey them, Right? And that, that discipline of, of listening, learning how to listen, is so essential for the maturity of, of, our, of our children as they grow up. I mean, this is what a lot of my parenting revolves around right now. I have two young boys, and so it's a lot of do as I say, do as I say, do as I say. Go pick up your shoes and go put them away. Go to the bathroom for the millionth time. Go pick up your shoes and put them away. But... But there comes a shift. I didn't hear what that was. It's not my son, I know. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, there comes a shift that as our children begin to mature and develop, that our model for teaching begins to shift. And maybe it's in just a subtle way, but it's an important way. We don't say so much, do as I say, do as I say, do as I say, but it soon becomes see as I see. See as I see, see as I see, see as I see. And it's a subtle shift, but, you know, as kids grow up and and the problems of life become just a little bit more complex, we need to give them more than just words to hear. We need to give them a new perspective, a new lens to see the world. And so think about, you know, as a teenager, when when the issue of bullying comes up. It's not enough to just say, don't be a bully, don't be a bully, don't be a bully. I mean, that's good to remind your kids, yeah, don't be a bully. But maybe what's more helpful is to say to them, try to give them a new perspective and say, how would that make you feel if that was said to you? How would that make you feel if that was done to you? See the world as I see the world. See the world as as they see 
the world. See the world as those around you see the world. And when we learn to see the world differently, we begin to do differently. That there's a connection between seeing and doing. And that's what God invites us into. That God invites us, see as I see, see as I see, see as I see. Whenever Jesus called his disciples, the first thing he always said was, come and follow me. Essentially, see the world as I see the world. He didn't begin with, here's all my teachings. He said, come and follow and learn to see the world as I see the world. And it'll be drastically different from the patterns that you've been conditioned to see the world in. But this is hard, right? I mean, the reason why uh, parents might have such a hard time parenting their teenagers, or the reason why you were so hard to parent when you were a teenager, is because the parent and the teenager are saying to each other at the exact same time, see as I see, see as I see, see as I see. They now have two very different perspectives on seeing the world, two very different sets of eyes, two very different lenses through which they see the world. And so Stephen Covey, the author of uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you've read that book before, maybe you had to read it when you were a teenager. Uh, He says this, and you probably didn't catch it when you were a teenager. I think it's really important. He says, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned or taught to see it. That whenever we look out at the world, we don't just see the world objectively, but we see the world through the lens that we have been taught or conditioned to see the world. We don't see the world as it is, but we see the world as we are within the world. And so what, what I would submit to you throughout these next few weeks of this series called Vivid is that we would, we would all together learn as best as we can, and we're not going to do it right, but that we would all learn as best as we can to see the world not as we see it, not, not as our culture offers us to see it, not as a political party offers us to see the world or conditions us to see the world, not as anything conditions us to see the world, but that we would see the world as God sees the world. And this is hard. This is, this is going to be hard, but this is actually how we grow when our gaze is widened, our perspective is widened just a little bit. But the truth is, we, we don't like to have our view changed. I mean, I don't like to have my view changed, and it's not just because I'm stubborn. I am stubborn, but I've become accustomed to a specific way of viewing the world, I mean, I've become accustomed to the glasses that I have been wearing. They've been fitted to me. They've been tailored to me. I've been wearing them my whole life. I I know nothing else. And so it's kind of like trying to wear someone else's glasses. You put them on, and it's really disorienting at first. You leave them on too long, you might get a headache from it. But you learn to see differently. You learn to see as someone else sees. And whenever we learn to see differently, we inevitably learn to do differently. 
that how you see affects everything that you do in the world. And so we're going to talk about someone today, uh, a guy who, you know, besides Jesus, is probably the most important person in the Bible. Uh, he wrote about half of the New Testament. Uh, he planted churches. Um, he was imprisoned. He was martyred for, our, for his faith. Uh, he's a big reason why uh, you and I are here today, that he shared the good news about Jesus Christ, who Jesus was. You know, that message kind of carried this far west, all because of him. Uh, he was a man by by the name of Paul. You might have heard of him before. Uh, but before he was ever called Paul, he was called what? All right. Hey, Bible Jeopardy for 800. Good for you. <laughs> Saul. He went by the name Saul. We're going to talk a little bit about his name change. We're going to come back to Saul, Paul, later on in, in the series. So just hang with me. Um, but Saul, Saul had a very particular way of viewing the world. He had a very particular worldview, and he had a very particular way of viewing Christianity. You see, he didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. He didn't see Jesus as the Son of God. He didn't see Jesus as really anybody important, just this kind of renegade rabbi. And he didn't see Jesus' followers as being anything other than being disobedient to the pure Jewish tradition that he was raised in. And that they were now just corrupting Judaism with their false teachings about Jesus being the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And this all wasn't just a matter of disagreement for Paul. I mean, this, this was huge. That the, the way that Saul saw the world made him see red towards the early Christians that he hated the early Christians for, for what he saw was tearing his religion apart. That Christianity was a threat to the way that he viewed the world, and he was going to do everything within his power to stop the spread of this new worldview. And so Saul began rounding up these early Christians, dragging them out of their homes, throwing them in prison to be persecuted, and here's where his story picks up comes from Acts chapter 9. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's the very first name that Christians were given, they were followers of the way, they weren't called Christians yet, they were followers of the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem to persecute them. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why? Why do you persecute me? Why? A question. It's not stop it, (laughs) cut it out. But it's a question, why? Why do you persecute? I mean, what has has gone so off track, so wrong with the way that you perceive the world? What's, What's so blurry about your lenses that you think it's okay to hurt and persecute and imprison people just based on their beliefs? Why? 
would you do that to me? Well, me who exactly? Well, who are you, Lord? Saul answered. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. That do part is important. Because whenever we see the world differently, we inevitably do differently in the world. That up until this point in Saul's life, how Saul saw the world shaped everything that Saul did in the world. Say that fast three times, okay? But the same is true for for you and me. The way that we see the world inevitably shapes what we do within the world. And so... What would Saul do from this whole experience? Well, nothing. At least not yet. That he first has to go and see the world differently, see the world as this risen Jesus sees the world. And so the story continues on, and Saul is taken to Damascus, where he meets uh, an early Christian, a follower of the way, a man named Ananias who just so happens, the risen Jesus also appeared to Ananias one day. Uh, And Ananias had his own kind of radical conversion to Christianity. That Ananias uh, is told to go into the town where he would find his enemy, Saul, blinded. And that Ananias was to be the one who was to go to Saul, find him blind, to lay hands on him, pray for him, and heal him. And so Ananias says back to this risen Jesus who's appeared to him, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man. He's not a good dude. And all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. You want me to go find him? Experience, experience tells us to be cautious about people who have changed, who have had their lives turned around. That it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, Right? However, a consistent theme throughout the Bible is that if God is the agent of change, then all things are possible. And Jesus explains to Ananias that Saul will be changed, that he won't be the same person that he used to be because he no longer sees the world as he used to see it. That now Saul will become the most zealous communicator of the gospel that the world has ever seen. That he'll be sharing the good news of Jesus with the entire world and he will no longer be Saul. But in light of what has happened to him, in light of the way that he now sees the world, he is a new creation and his name will be Paul. So Ananias went, and the story goes on. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, brother, wow. 
The Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have your life totally transformed. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Two men who had entirely different perspectives on the way that they saw the world. They, they wore two totally different lenses, came to see the world as Jesus sees the world. And as much as this was Saul's conversion to Christianity, this was also Ananias's second conversion to Christianity, to the truth, to what this gospel really does to us, that it was an invitation to see the world and to see each other the way that God sees the world, the way that God sees you and me. And that's the invitation for us today. And I know that, you know, not many of us are breathing out murderous threats on our opponents like Saul was doing. However, you know, we, we've all been that, down that road before, right? We've, we've all been down that road of mistakes, <laughs> where we've been so locked into a worldview, we've been so locked into uh, the way that we see the world that, that we've been become blinded to how we hurt other people, to the harm that it's done to others. I mean, we've become so blinded by our selfishness. We've become uh, blinded by you know, being caught up in addictive behaviors. We've been oblivious to the harm that we've done to others, to our neighbors around us. I mean, we've seen this play out before. I think about the, the hardworking professional who, who wants nothing more than to climb the ladder and get that promotion, but they end up kind of losing their family in the midst of it. Think about the person who's so locked up in their emotions that they can't express their love for their spouse. Or the politician who's, who's so loyal to partisan politics and their party that, they, that they're unwilling to compromise for the greater good. Think about the parent who's just so demanding on their child that they won't just cut them a little bit of slack. And think about you. Think about me. That we could all use a little blinding light to knock us off our high horse every now and again. To set our sights straight once again. That we could all benefit from inviting an interruption into our lives and into our hearts, that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open to see the world as God sees. Because we all got blind spots in our lives. When we look out at the world, we all have blind spots. And so what it, what it comes down to, essentially, is, is this. Are you willing to change your mind? Really, truly, are you willing to change your mind? And, and, a, and a churchy way that we would put this is, are, are you willing to repent? And I know that word might have a whole lot of baggage for, for some of you when you hear that word repent, but, but really what it means is, are you willing to have your mind changed in, in such a radical way to, to totally do a 180? That, that not just changing your preferences, not just changing your opinion about this or that, but to have your worldview entirely changed so that you see the world now as God sees the world. Because God has a better view 
for you. And the view that maybe you've been holding on to has just been holding you back from all that God would have you do. And so here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is that, is that over the next few weeks, that you would pray honestly and earnestly before your good heavenly parent. A simple and a short prayer every day for the next few weeks. God, help me to see as you see. God, help me to see my spouse as you see them. Help me to see my kids as you see them. Help me to see my work the way that you see work. God, help me to see my time the way that you see time. God, help me to see my neighbor the way that you see them. God, help me to see my enemy the way that you see them. God, help me. Help me to see just as you see. And you just might be surprised what you find. So much so that maybe you just won't believe your eyes. And so God, we invite you to break in to break in on our road that we're traveling on. To break in exactly in the way that we don't believe. To break in and change everything with a call, with an invitation, with the truth, with the gospel, with your kingdom. That you would break in to our lives with a new world and a new way to view it. God, you would break in again. Help us to see as you see, to clear out the dark and the blinded spots. God, that we all, we all have in our lives, that we all struggle and wrestle with. Holy Spirit, that you would open those up to us. Reveal to us who you are. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.